This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Senator Rand Paul has just blocked that $40 billion in funding to Ukraine, delaying a vote until next week. I interview someone from the America First Policy Institute that thinks that $40 billion is a good idea. Plus, is the climate cult behind the outrageous gas prices we're all seeing? The answer may surprise you, and I talk to an expert about this. This is Can't Cancel Rob Smith. Problematics, problematics. Welcome back to Can't Cancel Rob Smith. So good to be back with you guys again. Oh my goodness, there is so much to talk about. If you've been listening to Can't Cancel this week, you know I have been on an absolute tear about this $40, this $40 billion in funding that is supposed to be going to the Ukraine while we deal with high gas prices, while we deal with high groceries, while we deal with rampant inflation, while we deal with so many things that are going on in America that need to be handled right now. But we have an update with this. You know, courage is in short supply when you get into the swamp. Um, The swamp is not about courage. The swamp is about towing the line. The swamp is about getting people in office and making them so fat and happy on, you know, dinners at the diplomat and and, and fundraising and all of this stuff that they will just toe the line whenever it comes to stuff like this. Senator Rand Paul, and this is this is new information, just blocked the passage of that $40 billion aid package to the Ukraine. He delayed has delayed a vote until next week. Now, you guys know um, the House passed the measure on Tuesday, and it enjoys, quote, bipartisan support. Like I tell you guys all the time, the swamp is bipartisan, okay? Uh, the, the, the swamp is Republicans and Democrats, and they are both joined at the hip to get this bill passed to get this money um, flowing to the Ukraine so they can launder it to wherever they're going to launder it to. But I want you to listen to what Senator Rand Paul had to say. And he, he spoke for seven minutes. I'm not going to play seven minutes of him speaking for you. I'm going to play about, play about three or four minutes. But what you have to do is you really have to listen to what he's saying. And I really want you guys to think about the courage that it takes to be a United States senator and go against the grain of the swamp in, in, in D.C. So listen to, listen to Senator Rand Paul here. My oath of office is to the U.S. Constitution, not to any foreign nation. And no matter how sympathetic the cause, my oath of office is to the national security of the United States of America. 
We cannot save Ukraine by dooming the U.S. economy. In March, inflation hit a 40-year high. Gasoline alone is up 48 percent, and energy prices are up 32 percent over the last year. Food prices have increased by nearly 9 percent. Used vehicle prices are up 35 percent for the year, and new vehicle prices have increased 12 percent or more. Yes, inflation doesn't just come out of nowhere. It comes from deficit spending. The United States spent nearly $5 trillion on COVID-19 bailouts, leading to one of the highest and most sustained levels of inflation in U.S. history. Americans are feeling the pain, and Congress seems intent only on adding to that pain by shoveling more money out the door as fast as they can. This bill under consideration would spend $40 billion. This is the second spending bill for Ukraine in two months, and this bill is three times larger than the first. Our military aid to Ukraine is nothing new, though. Since 2014, the United States has provided more than $6 billion in security assistance to Ukraine, in addition to the $14 billion Congress authorized just a month ago. If this bill passes, the U.S. will have authorized roughly $60 billion in total spending for Ukraine. For those who say this is not enough, for those of you in this chamber who say that our military spending is never enough, Let's put $60 billion into perspective. According to Elias Youssef, a security assistant at the Stimson Center, Kiev would become the largest yearly recipient of U.S. military aid of the past two decades. Except for the top five countries, $60 billion is more than every other country in the world spends on their entire military expenditures. If this gift to Ukraine passes, our total aid to Ukraine will almost equal the entire military budget of Russia. And it's not as if we have that money lying around. We will have to borrow that money from China to send it to Ukraine. The cost of this package we are voting on today is more than the U.S. spent during the first year of the U.S. conflict in Afghanistan. Congress authorized force, and the president sent troops into the conflict. The same cannot be said of Ukraine. This proposal towers over domestic priorities as well. The massive package of $60 billion to Ukraine dwarfs the $6 million spent on cancer research annually. $60 billion is more than the amount the government collects in gas taxes each year to build roads and bridges. The $60 billion to Ukraine could fund substantial portions or entire large cabinet departments. The $60 billion nearly equals the entire State Department budget. The $60 billion exceeds the budget for the Department of Homeland Security and for the Department of Energy. And Congress just wants to keep on spending and spending. And the thing that struck me the most when listening to, to Rand Paul talk about this is one of the first things that he said. Um, he said that his oath is to the Constitution of the United States of America, right? And, and what he's saying is that this is not, you know, he doesn't take an oath to foreign countries. Uh, he doesn't take an oath to the swamp. He doesn't take an oath to his donors. He takes an oath... Um, to the United States of America. And that is what being America first is all about. Now, you know, later on in this show, so I did an interview with a man from the America First Policy Institute, and we had very differing ideas on the importance of this $40 billion to go to Ukraine. Obviously, I do not believe in it. This person did. It's a very interesting conversation that I had while guest hosting a show called Hold the Line that's on a network called The First. And I'm going to play you guys a little bit of that later. But one of the questions that I that I asked this person is, how does this look to the average citizen 
that is struggling to put gas in their car, that is struggling to buy groceries. And and these things are not just sort of conservative media talking points. Like, I'm not somebody that just lives on a cable news set. And I'm not somebody, by the way, that has all that has always, you know, sort of um, made what I make and lived the lifestyle that I live, okay? So when I talk about this stuff, when I talk about really thinking about what the average working class person thinks, because I am not too far removed from that, by the way. So I I really care about these things. And I do not believe that a lot of these people that are holding office right now, I do not believe that they genuinely care. I believe that maybe they care, and I believe that a lot of these people are playing a game. Uh, I believe that Maybe they care, you know, in the first three to four years, but, you know, then they get sucked up in the swamp and they get sucked up in the fundraisers and the dinners and the private jets and all that stuff, and then they just forget. And that's what I think, that is the work that that needs to be done to clean out a, a lot of these people, because a lot of these people do not care. A lot of these people just sat there and voted for this $40 billion. And by the way, who did you know who didn't vote for this $40 billion? Who didn't vote for it? Um, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, people like Matt Gates, people like Madison Cawthorn, people like Lauren Boebert, right? And so I don't get into the habit of fangirling politicians. Um, I don't even take pictures with them anymore, even though I'm at some of the, the some of the same events these people are, because I don't feel like I can be real with you guys if I'm running around here being friends with these people and like taking selfies with these people, right? So I don't get in the habit of fangirling politicians. But when people actually do get up there and take a stand and make a bold choice, I believe that that is to be recomm- that is to be commended. Um, in in Bobert and uh, Cawthorn and MTG and Matt Gates, it was a bold decision to get up there and to vote against this bill. And if you guys Follow Glenn Greenwald on Twitter. You know, I talk about Glenn Greenwald a lot. He's sort of like, he is what liberals used to be. And and he's still a liberal. He's still a left-winger. But he calls out the corporatism of all of it, but particularly the corporatism that we're seeing uh, in the Democratic Party, right? So AOC and the squad and Ilhan Omar and all of these people, while you know, they're they're crying about, you know, abortions and they're crying about all the social issues and all of this stuff. They voted for this. Okay, they voted for this $40 billion to Ukraine. It is all a game and a grift and a power move for these people. You have to understand that. And the people on the right that voted for this bill are no better than any of these people on the squad. If you really want my humble opinion on this. I, I really do. And this is, I think, one of those moments where the line between sort of what the old conservative movement is and what the new conservative movement is, this this new America first agenda, this is what Joe Biden would call the ultra MAGA agenda. Uh, this is where one of the lines are. This is This is one of the biggest lines, right? Are you going to vote for this stuff? Are you going to vote for sending billions of dollars of of taxpayer money to Ukraine, or are you going to vote against it? Even though Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and all of these people in the swamp are telling you to vote for this stuff. And that is the line between who is America first and who is not. 
And there are a lot of politicians here that are defending their vote right now, even on the Republican side, defending their vote. Dan Crenshaw's defending the vote for Ukraine. You know, he's saying, oh, well, if you, you know, are not for this, then you don't understand foreign policy. It's, it's, it's BS. It's ridiculous. And so this is the line between who's America first and the line between who is just playing swamp games. So look, problematics, I want you to pay attention to who is actually taking a risk here and who's out here playing swamp games. It becomes more obvious every single day. All right, up next, I will be speaking with a man named Fred Flights, who is the vice chairman of the America First Policy Institute Center for American Security. We have very differing opinions on the legitimacy and in the need for this $40 billion in funding to go to the Ukraine. It was an interesting conversation. I'll have that up to you right after the break. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Washington is proving once again they could not care less about Americans' problems. Rising gas prices, soaring inflation, baby formula shortages. Who cares, right? Let's just send billions of dollars in aid to help the Ukrainians. Joining me now is Vice Chairman of America First Policy Institute and former National Security Council Chief of Staff, Fred Flights. How you doing, Fred? Good to be here. Good, good, good. So, so first of all, let me ask you, you know, seeing as how you're the Vice Chairman of the America First Policy Institute, how would you describe America First to, to our viewers who may not have, have heard of that term? Well, America First is a concept to try to put the interests of the American people, the American economy, the American worker first when uh, policymakers make domestic or foreign policy decisions. And in the foreign policy realm, it means not deferring to the foreign policy elite and Harvard's JFK school. And uh, then you get good decisions like what when President Trump moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem, all the experts said not to do that. It would start a war, but it was the right thing to do. It means keeping us out of, uh, out of unnecessary wars. It means a strong U.S. military, a strong military, a strong president, because we, we know American strength stabilizes the world and reduces the chances that we'll be tempted to send troops where we should not be sending them. We want to keep our troops out of areas where we have no strategic interests. Absolutely. I'm definitely with you on that. I'm a rock war veteran myself. I'm definitely against, you know, useless foreign wars. Now, I want to get your take on this $40 billion that, you know, Congress just voted um, to send to Ukraine. I'm obviously very much against it, sort of lit into it um, earlier on in the show. So I want to get your take on this. And, and I want to know, um, does voting for $40 billion to go to the Ukraine seem very America first, in, in your opinion? Well, it's funny. Some people have said that the American First Movement is against helping the people of Ukraine, that, that we shouldn't be sending weapons there. Well, General Keith Kellogg, my colleague, and I here, we think that it's important that the Ukrainians be armed uh, 
extremely well, armed to the teeth, because we are at a turning point in this war. If the Ukrainians can hold their own and maybe beat back the Russians a bit, I think we may find a solution to this conflict. I don't know if there'll be a peace treaty, but I'm hoping that the fighting will peter out and we will stop the killing. But if we give Russia an opportunity to regroup, I think the war could, could go on indefinitely. So I'm not with you on this one. I think that these weapons are a good idea, but I do like Rand Paul's idea to have an inspector general to monitor the spending and make sure that this money goes where we think it's going. Absolutely. And so let me ask you this. When you talk about monitoring the, the spending now, a lot of the people that are against this, and you know, including myself, and I um, brought up the names of a couple of congressmen and women, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Madison Cawthorn, that voted against this $40 billion. What is the oversight of this money? I think that that's what a lot of people are trying to figure out. How do we know and, and how do we, you know, keep track of, of where this money is going? Well, I, I think that... Uh that's a question that needs to be answered. I don't know how it's being overseen. I don't know that that doesn't mean it's being overseen, but uh, I think uh, Senator Paul's suggestion for an inspector general to monitor it, that seems to be a good compromise. If that's all he needs to vote for this, I might add, I don't think he's gonna vote for it anyway. Right. But I think that was a wise suggestion because in a situation like this, who knows where the, where the money is going. So you think that at this point, so we have voted for the $40 billion through Congress, and this is something that Rand Paul is saying that this is something that he needs in order to you know, pass this in the Senate. So you think that that, that will be a good compromise for a lot of the people um, that are a little skeptical uh, about this money? I, I think it's a reasonable suggestion. I don't think it's going to convince yourself and uh, uh, Congressman Cawthorn and others. They're against it for other reasons. I respect yeah. those positions. Uh, I just have a different uh, a view of where things are going in Ukraine. Uh, but look, let's we have to have fiscal responsibility. We know we have problems at home. We know Biden is ruining our economy. He's yes. ruining the, the energy market. And, and this money could be spent quite well at home. Uh, but I think there are times we had to make an investment for our national security. I don't want to send troops, but I would like to see Ukraine armed to the teeth. And I know I, I hear a lot of people saying that they don't want to send troops, but also we're, you know, speaking in language that seems to suggest that there will be troops there one day. So let me ask you this. In your opinion, how does this read to the general public? You brought up all the issues that we're having in America right now with, you know, baby formula shortages and gas prices and, and grocery and inflation, all that stuff. How does it read to the general public, in your opinion, when we are voting to send $40 billion to Ukraine? and we have all of these issues at home. I, I think that it's going to cause concern, that most Americans won't understand uh, why we're spending such a huge amount of money on a country so far away on a conflict that doesn't involve us. I think there are bigger issues here, but we have to put them in perspective. I think that having Ukraine as an ally and supporting them, that's fine. But sending American troops in or risking a war with Russia, uh, for me, that's off the table. Do you think that continuing to fund Ukraine in this way, um, continuing to, to send all this money over there, do you think that that is furthering along um, how long this war is going to go? And do you think that that brings us closer to actually engaging in, in this war with Russia? No, I think letting Russia catch up, letting it rebuild, that will further the war. I think to, to bring peace in this area, or at least some level of stability, uh, Ukraine has to prevail, hold the territory it's having, and Russia has to it has to pull back. I don't think there's going to be a peace treaty. 
I don't think there's going to be a formal cessation of hostilities. I think this will simmer on for a long time, uh, but maybe most of, of, of the fighting will, will stop. But I'll tell you, I think there are things we should not be doing. We should not be provoking the Russians by talking about regime change or removing Putin or saying that we want to degrade or destroy the Russian military. That's irresponsible. I know Senator Graham has said stuff like that. Uh, the defense secretary said like that. Humiliating and what rubbing in the noses of, of Putin and Russian leaders, uh, that is risking a, a war between us and the United States, us and Russia. That has to stop. Okay, and so how do we get them to stop this stuff? And I made a uh, played a clip of uh, Mitch McConnell earlier, you know, talking all this stuff. There's a lot of chicken hawks um, in D.C. that have not served, have never served, do not have any family members serving, uh, but yet t- talk really tough when it comes to this stuff. So how do you get them to temper down their language? Well, I think folks like you and I have to talk this up to say, you know, let's let's not provoke Putin for no reason. We want, the Ukra- we want the Ukrainians to win. We want them to hold their territory. But talking about how we want this conflict to weaken the Russian army, why Secretary Austin said that, I mean, as, and I mean, he, he's, a, he's a military man. That was so irresponsible. Yes. That's something that Putin's going to be able to use for propaganda purposes to keep support for this conflict. All right. Well, Fred Flights, uh, we are not on the same side of this issue, but I appreciate this conversation. I really do. Thank you so much for sharing your insight with us today. We greatly appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Up next, the climate cult may be behind why all of our gas prices are so high. Yes, the Biden administration actually may be doing this on purpose, and I've got a very interesting guest with a very interesting take on this whole thing right on the other side of this break. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Americans are feeling the pain at the pump, according to AAA. Gas prices surged to a new record high today, with the nationwide average reaching $4.42 per gallon. That's up from $3 in May of last year. So what's the Biden administration doing to ease prices? Well, cutting back on drilling, of course. Last night, the U.S. Interior Department announced they were canceling oil and gas lease sales in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico. So if you thought relief was on the way, think again. Joining me now is the founder and executive director of Power of the Future, Daniel Turner. Thanks for joining me, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely. Okay, so now I'm a dummy about the drilling and and all of that stuff. But what I do know is that gas prices are ridiculously expensive. And with gas prices where they are right now, why on earth would the Biden administration be doing this? Yeah, it does seem really bizarre that at a time that the, the president himself is saying, I'm doing everything in my power to lower gas prices, uh, that he would take a step like this because what is driving our high prices is a lack of supply. Um, it is very hard right now to produce oil and gas domestically for a myriad reasons, right? The president knows we have a supply problem. 
That's why he's begged oil from the Saudis, from the Venezuelans. He even talked about buying oil from the Iranians. Um, he's released oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves. So he knows there is a supply problem. So then you, you have to wonder why he would do anything that would make increasing the supply, meaning oil and gas permitting, why he would make that more difficult. But, but this is exactly what he wants. They are getting the outcome that they desire um, this is not ignorance or stupidity or bad policy planning. This is exactly what the Biden administration intended to happen. So you think the Biden administration actually wants Americans to be hurting like this? Now, the, the conspiracy theorists to me or whatever, it, it's just like, so these are not stupid people. These are very highly intelligent, highly educated people. And I do not believe that they are this incompetent. So the only possible solution is that they are doing this on purpose for some reason. So why would they be doing this? Yeah, if you are a statist, and, and that's the most polite term I could use for people yeah. who believe in big government control. If you are a yeah. statist, you ultimately want all industries to be controlled by the government. It's very much why Obama wanted to go after healthcare, right? Energy mm -hmm. is the last great industry that is in private hands. There are some publicly traded companies, but for the most part, the energy industry is in the hands of the private sector. The Biden administration is part of this group of people led by Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that wants this green revolution to happen. They want to force wind and solar. They want to force electric vehicles. The only way they can do that is to make fossil fuels very, very unattractive. And the most attractive thing about fossil fuels is their affordability, right? We liked it when in 2019, oil was $2 a gallon nationwide. We like it that when we call uh, uh, Uber Eats or Postmates or Amazon, products arrive quickly and they arrive very inexpensively. Fossil fuels are what drive our economy and we like that. So to make fossil fuels the enemy, they have to make fossil fuels expensive. And maybe with enough punishing the American people, enough frustration and anger, maybe the American people will say, please, Joe Biden, save us, give us an alternative. And the alternative is this green statist agenda. Interesting. So you think that this is all about trying to push this sort of Green New Deal, just that agenda, this transitioning into to solar energy and all that stuff. That's what you think this is all about. 100%. They've been trying to scare us with climate change language for decades. It didn't work, right? They always talk about we're going to die. Sea levels are rising to an unsustainable level. Yet every yeah. time you turn around, either John Kerry's on a private jet or Barack Obama's buying a beachfront mansion. Buying a beachfront right? mansion. So they then they got the Greta Thunberg, you know, floating around as well. So Greta Thunberg is trying to, you know, wag her finger at us and shame us all and all this other stuff. So in your opinion, this is just not working. Exactly, because they don't even buy it because they're not giving up the bounty of fossil fuels. They're not changing their lifestyles. So they took a page, as far as I'm concerned, COVID gave them the best playbook, right? Look at the, what they were able to do by scaring us with COVID in just two years. They closed our churches. They reworked our electoral system, mm -hmm. right? In two years, your kids aren't going to class and you're stuck in your uh, in your uh, 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 upstairs bedroom with the doors closed and everyone's wearing a mask. So if you're in the radical green movement, you look at this and you say, holy cow, how do we transform people's lives to this degree? Well, scare didn't work, fear didn't work. So let's try this other tactic, which is make the fossil fuels the enemy. Look, they, they brought fossil fuel executives to hearings before Congress, tried to try price gouging. That didn't work either. 
This is completely fascinating and something that I kind of thought about because, you know, when you have this conversation about the uh, the Green New Deal and all in, in the climate cult and all of that other stuff, you know, I never really thought to make that connection to what is going on right now, but it's actually very, very interesting. And so the question that I have to you is... We've got these politicians that are that are complaining about the gas prices. Uh, we have all this stuff. What are some things that the people that claim to be representing us can be doing right now to sort of fight this climate cult that is trying to make things harder on all of us? Yeah, I mean, the best thing to do at, at the localist level is to really get involved. And that means... Uh, going to town halls. It means talking to your elected representatives because they're the ones who are pushing a lot of this climate agenda and a lot of it at the most local level. You see counties and municipalities saying by the year 2030, 50% of our electricity has to come from wind and solar. You need to engage with these folks and say, can you show me any place in the world where this is working? Right? right. California right. is the furthest state and California has rolling blackouts. California's governor is warning people, oh boy, it's gonna be a rough summer. We don't produce enough electricity. Germany's the country that is furthest along, probably 20 years ahead of America. Germany has four times the, 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 the price point that we do. They have higher emissions, and now they're absolutely petrified of Vladimir Putin because of their green agenda. And so, you know, ask your local congressman, ask your mayor. Anytime someone says we're going to go green, say, just show me anywhere in the world where going green has worked to the benefit. And if you can show me that, I'll shut up. But they can show you that. They just keep doubling down, doubling down on stupidity. It's like, hey, just put on the third mask. Let's try that. Right? It's just doubling down on stupidity. Because at this point, if they have convinced people of the lie enough and they have created this cult around the climate agenda, then there's no need to explain it anymore. It's just one of those things that just is known, right? Just like it was known that the vaccines are supposed to stop COVID, just like it was known that the masks were supposed to stop COVID. Um, this is extremely fascinating. Um, do you think that they'll go even further than this in, uh, in service of that agenda? I think they're 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 a hundred percent in the tank on this agenda, and they're not going to roll it back. You know, people are optimistic about the elections this year. What happens if Republicans gain control of the House? Most of our energy decisions are controlled by the executive branch, uh, the Secretary of Interior, Secretary of Energy, Joe Biden himself, John Kerry, who seems to be accountable to nobody. Right? No one knows who who he who works for him. No one knows what right. his budget is. No one knows what his mandate is, but he's making climate decisions. And so, you know, they're not going to give this up for the next couple of years. Uh, the only thing that could stop it is if enough people get involved. And, 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 and what's going to do that is the motivating force of high prices, food shortages, uh, and, and, and a real detriment to our quality of life. Like I said, Americans may hate the fossil fuel industry or they may, but yes. they love what it does for us. They love oh, our right. wonderful American life and they're not giving it up. Absolutely fascinating and terrifying. Daniel Turner, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks to have you on. Appreciate it. Problematics, thank you so much for joining me for Can't Cancel Rob Smith. Please, this is an independent endeavor. If you like us, please rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. Download, subscribe, and tell all of your friends. And find us every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday on iHeart Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Until next time, Problematics. Can't cancel Rob Smith. I will see you next time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.